everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, I got a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if mom and dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. The 2-1 pitch. There's a fly ball hit out to left. Waiting is Jones. The Mets are the world champion. Gary Kuzman being mobbed. Look at this scene. Uh, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Listen to this scene over here when we are going to be talking to and continue our discussion with one of the heroes of the 1969 Mets, and he's written a book that's uh, just a lot of fun. It's a great book to, to of course, read and to hold on to as a timepiece to give you an idea as to what it was like to be on the 1969 Mets Ron Swoboda continues talking with us. He's written a book called Here's the Mets, and it's a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. I remember those days distinctly as a as a kid uh, watching the Mets play in the afternoon, their playoff games, and they would reel in to the school a television set, and that was uh, the planned action, let's say, for the afternoon. We'd finish our spelling and our math, and it was time for the Mets game. We'd watch the beginning of the game, get on the bus, and rush home. We'd have our transistor radios with us. <laughs> Remember those? And we'd put that in our pocket on the way home. We'd be listening to the game on the radio, which was uh, amazing fun with all the kids in the bus. So, I mean, America, it was uh, a little bit different then with respect to, to baseball. Baseball was close to our hearts, real close, no matter where you lived. I've talked to people all the way uh, uh, from you know New York to California, everywhere in between, and people remember this 1969 team. It is just a a blast to spend some time with Juan Swoboda. And we, we talk more than uh, just uh, about the Miracle Mets. And this book is a memoir of uh, the time and place as well. So you got to get involved with uh, with this book. Here's the catch for Juan Swoboda. Gets into more discussion of uh, putting this in the place uh, in history where it should be as to what was happening in the 60s and, and how uh, all the players... Uh, got uh, involved in different ways, and certainly how Mr. Swoboda uh, went uh, overseas, visited the troops with Joe DiMaggio, and there's just so many, uh, so many great stories in this book comes right at you. And we'll be talking about that with Ron Swoboda right here, right now. Welcome back to Everything Old is New Again, Ron Swoboda. What did it mean to you personally of, uh, to win uh, this, this unachievable, apparently unachievable goal? You know, what a sense of, of completing the circle. You know, I always like that illusion of, of completing the circle, going from a bad outfielder, uh, a guy that had a lot of problems adjusting in the outfield to a guy that makes the catch of his life, you know, at, at the absolute balance point, the fulcrum of a World Series, and a Mets team that lost 100, you know, with regularity in the beginning, and that's where I started with the team, and you come back and you win 100, and you not only complete that circle, 
but you go from you know the laughing stock where you know you're losing you know a team that still has the gold standard for 120 losses in a major league season that is the gold standard for ineptitude and and uh, I went from playing for Casey Stengel who managed that team back in 62 that lost 120 and and we win 100 and we win a world series we you know if we don't win that World Series, you imagine how everything changes in, in, in our world, the guys that were on that team. You know, you're just the also-rans. Uh, don't get celebrated. Right, right. And uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe the Here's the Catch book would not be selling the way it's going to be selling because this is a great book. I mean, maybe there's no book. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't want to go that far with it. but uh. I think you're absolutely correct. And, and, you know, it was like I had a friend here, uh, you know, who was encouraging me to write some of these stories down. Because over the years in front of Kiwanis clubs and Rotary clubs and uh, other organizations, business groups here in New Orleans and in New York, I was telling, you know, you're always trying to collect stories and tell them and try to tell them well. And over the years, I had a friend saying, you need to write some of this stuff down. And, and I was not compelled to do that. Um, I was, you know, I, I just wasn't. And he said, look, if, if you don't get this together by uh, the 50th anniversary, nobody's going to care. Mm. And I went, I get that. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Coming out in the year 51, it, you know, kind of loses the panache, yeah, I don't right? Think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great book, and then you take a look, and, and you just touch upon it a smidge. I wanted to dig into a little bit of Joe DiMaggio. You were, you were with yeah. Joe, with the Green Berets, and there was an event there that, that you, you say he would never have forgotten. You didn't forget. But what was he like under, I guess you could say, under the trying circumstances of being in Vietnam there in the USO show? Well, they, they took b- pretty good care of us, right. but when Joe was over there, we were with Bowie Kuhn, who uh, would become the commissioner of baseball. This was before he took over the job, but he was um, he was heading towards it. And um, we were at a fire base somewhere in Vietnam where they had these big hundred and um, I think um, 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 I think it was a hunt, uh, big long cannons, you know, that uh, 150 millimeter. I, I, I forget the actual uh, um, uh, 120 millimeter. I, I, right. I'm uh, howitzers, okay? okay. And they had this uh, sort of uh, fixture on the end that that kind of redirected the the gases sideways, and and they they had these cannon down in um, in in these pits that they had pushed the dirt up around them, revetments that protected the cannon and its crew. And and they fired out of there, but you walked up, you started walking up on top of this dirt revetment, and, and Bowie Kuhn was doing that, and they fired, you know, one of the cannons for registration, and the sideward gas just knocked Bowie Kuhn, who was uh, pretty um, rectitudinal is a good word. You know, he was kind of... <laughs> stiff upper lip and straight up and down spine, that thing blast caught him and knocked him butt over tin cups down this mm. revetment. And Joe and I were on the other side uh, watching this and went, that that was pretty funny. <laughs> we never forgot it. I I, I I Every time I saw Joe at the... Uh, Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital um, um, old-timers game we used to have in Hollywood, Florida. 
we'd always go. You remember that? And he always remembered it. Joe was an amazing guy, and he didn't need to be in Vietnam. He was Mr. Coffee back then. Right. And, and um, you know, he had to almost remind these guys that he was one of the best players who ever played the game. How about that? Uh, it just, it's just a bunch of amazing stories in this book. By the way, you mentioned Hollywood, Florida, and uh, the show. Um, near the Diplomat Hotel, the Attaché Hotel in that general area? We did. We did. And do you remember the Attaché? Yeah, oh, I do. This is really inside. We used to spend uh, a couple of vacations there. What a great little hotel. doesn't exist anymore. I don't know why I'm mentioning other no, than... No, we, we stayed there uh, oh, for wow. one of the uh, old-timers games. How about that? Uh, that's <laughs> another thing we have in common. There we go. Uh, <laughs> here on Everything yeah. All is New Again. We're having a great time with uh, Ron Swoboda. We'll be back right after this for one more section and really enjoy and dig into who the players uh, that he played with, played against, what were they like, maybe, maybe some ratings of best, worst, we don't know, we'll see. We'll join uh, Ron Swoboda in a few minutes right after this. Uh, just as a little little tease here, Dave Marish says, Welcome to the heart of a miracle. Ron Swoboda takes you into the clubhouse and through the season of the 1969 Miracle Mets. It was Swo's miraculous outfield catch that sealed the deal as the Mets upset the heavily favored Baltimore Orioles in thrilling in a thrilling World Series. His typically honest and heartfelt memoir introduces you to the people inside the uniforms and the game inside the game. Once again, here's the catch. Ron, Ron Swoboda, you can get that on Amazon right now. We'll be back on Everything Old's again right now. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and greet the Mets, bring your kiddies, bring your wife, guaranteed to have the time of your life, because the Mets are really sucking the ball, knocking those holes. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show. With Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Casey Stengel. Casey Gentry certainly lost it fast, didn't he? Yes, I think that he was uh, getting a little too excited this time. He's anxious to win. And, of course, being that many runs behind, they have to tell that the hitter was just irritating him and uh, all to try and make him uh, throw that ball over the plate. But uh, they were told to wait out. Now the dangerous part is the wonderful pitcher going in. He's a young man. The idea is with three men on bases, can you throw a strike? Now, if you get those strike, you're in bad shape now. <laughs> Here's the great Casey Stink. <laughs> He's a piece of work, boy, I'll tell you. Um, and Total he, original. He really was. And, and when Casey. I was a, a kid, I hate to bring him, but this is just so personal to me, that uh, uh, my grandparents lived in Florida half of the year, and he got a Casey Stingle autograph at one point also and brought that home to me. And, boy, as a, maybe it was, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years old, just didn't know who this fellow was at all, you know? And he was yeah. one of the least Revered signatures, but now you know it's, it holds a special uh, place because I got to know and learn all about this gentleman who was really a piece of work. You know, yeah, Casey Stengel, what an amazing face! You know, he was uh, craggy, like like somebody took his face off a of Rushmore. You know, and but but in there were these blue eyes, deep blue eyes, and they were young and they danced. And and when he smiled, his um, his face was. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a huge grin, and and uh, he was um, he was an authentic living legend. I felt like, and and the privilege was to be around him. And actually, the 
the half season that he managed me uh, in 1965, my rookie year, I hit 15 home runs for Casey Stengel, and I never hit 15 home runs in any whole season after that. Now, do you think, I don't know, this is an odd question, but because I'm a novice when it comes to this, I mean, would his uh, did he have an effect upon you to, to guide you through those 15 and encourage you or help you with that, or was it just you know a byproduct no. of him being there? then was um, he, he needed somebody to go play and, and he said you can't learn how to hit these guys sitting there on the bench you got to go up there and face them and you know I went up there as a as a young hitter pretty good fastball hitter and uh, I thought I had pretty good instincts uh, as a hitter I had pretty good training what what I didn't have was uh, I didn't really understand the mechanics if, if I had done a better job of learning the mechanics, um, I, I might have helped my offensive numbers a little bit. Um, but but Casey ran me out there and let me play, and I made a ton of mistakes and uh, caused him a lot of agita, I'm sure. But um, he gave me my first chance, and I'll be grateful forever for that. How about that? And, uh, you know, you say in this book that, uh, again, talking about 69, the most uh, people, including Tom Seaver, the leading, leader of the team, thought that in 69, uh, you had a chance to do well, but, you know, Hodges says, well, maybe, you know, 85 wins is achievable, and that uh, everyone agreed for some reason or another that the St. Louis Cardinals, who had Bob Gibson and Steve Carlton on the team, you know, were going to be the ones that were really going to uh, be your your real trouble here, and, uh, and meanwhile, you you're able to overcome that. Now, Bob Gibson, I mean, you saw him pitch, boy, he was a uh, uh, son of a gun, you know, and, and I just wonder when oh. you faced him, what was that? It had to be, no matter what you, you like or don't like about your own skills, he had to intimidate you when you got to, to that plate, huh? Um I, I thought Bob Gibson, um, you know, you, you barely, barely, I barely, you know, I don't know about other guys. I, this book is from my perspective, and my perspective on Bob Gibson was if he walked in a crowded room that I was in today, all these years later, my bowels get a little loose because <laughs> I just remember going up against him, never feeling comfortable, never feeling sure, and uh, and just scuffling to try to get a piece of the ball and he didn't want you to hit a foul ball he was the most seemingly angrily um uh, aggressive pitcher i ever faced mm. period and 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 he did not want to come out of the game he did not want anybody talking oh, to no. him and he was in a hurry i i told somebody um he wanted the ball back. He wanted to get you out. He wanted to shut you out in about two hours. That'd make him happy. He pitched like a guy who was double parked with a gallon of ice cream in the trunk. You know? <laughs> An all-time great. How about Steve Carlton? I believe on the same team, lefty, more of a curveball pitcher. You know, how'd you fare about against him? And that's some team he's well, he had a good curveball, but don't forget, he threw hard. Yeah. Uh, he was a power left-hander, and... Um, had a slider he had come up with later on. And, and the crazy thing is, I didn't hit him very well. Nobody did. Right. But uh, we go into St. Louis in 1969, late in the year, and we got a makeup game. It's a one-game series, and I had gone down to the batting cage. They were one of the few stadiums back then that had a batting cage with uh, Ralph Kiner, one of our broadcasters, who was a pretty good right-handed hitter hmm. in his day. And I was just... I just wanted to, 
you know, I, I just wanted to get my feet under me a little bit as a hitter. I wasn't feeling all that good. And there was a machine. He fed me a bunch of baseballs through this machine, and we just talked our way through. And, you know, he said, uh, get your hands back a little bit. How's that feel? And I said, that feels good. Okay. Take a couple of hacks. And he said, that looks good. How does it feel? And that feels good. And, you know, we approached it from, from that standpoint and I went into the ball game feeling pretty good and Carlton is out there having the best day of his life (laughs) and he strikes me out the first time but I feel like I'm swinging the bat okay but he's got you know otherworldly stuff I go up the next time they got a one nothing lead there's a man on base he gets two strikes on me and I hit a fastball upstairs in left field for a home run we're up two to one Um, next time up against him he strikes me out but I still feel like I'm having you know I'm, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable up there and uh, they're they're on top of us three to two now and I get up my fourth time he gets two strikes on me and uh, I hit a slider over the left field wall for a home run a four three win and you know he's striking out 19 guys which was a major league record back then right but it doesn't make any sense yeah, it, 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 that's the game of baseball, isn't it? I mean, the hardest thing to do, hit a ball at you know, 90 mile, 95 miles an hour with a, with a round bat, right? I mean, it's just... Uh, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. What does make sense, though, is uh, Tom Seaver compared to these two, and, uh, you know, if you will, Seaver and Kuzman um, get, were able to transport and help uh, the pitching staff, of course, in 69 over those two. So it's not all pitching, uh, that's for sure. It had to be team. Teamwork, and I would suggest that if you're looking to see a team, you know, quote or capital letters, team play and win, that would be your your team of, of the '69 Mets. I mean, you know, there's there's a few stars, if you will, but for the most part, uh, what a great ensemble of players that looked out for each other and picked up each other up, and apparently, you tell me, were uh, the definition of a team. Yeah, we didn't have superstars um, at, back then. And, and uh, you know, the interesting thing is you don't choose the team, but the success of a team and, and, and how you work your way through a season, um, that's, that's how you forge anything that approaches teamwork and, and a sense of team. And I think Hodges was part of that with the platooning and and how we were able to evolve as that season moved along. And speaking of moving along and teamwork, we need to take a break here for our teams of sponsors and have them uh, put their two cents into our conversation here. Then when we get back, I do want to talk a little bit more about Cleon Jones, who I think may have been a little bit underrated and was one of my favorites. I actually I had sent to Cleon Jones... Boy, let me see, this would be 1970 when I was eight years old, a postcard, or probably was a letter to Cleon Jones via Shea Stadium, and believe it or not, uh, I don't know, maybe three, four weeks later, I got back a picture with a signature on it, postcard size, from Cleon Jones himself, with my name on it, thanking me for the for the letter and the note, and from that point on, boy, I was sold, I had... Let me see whose autographs did I have at that point. I had Danny Frischella, which was a a, um, uh, a reliever in the 70s. I had, of course, Ron Swoboda. I had Cleon Jones and Art Shamsky. And I had later on gotten Dave Kingman. I also had Ed Cranepool autograph. 
later on, I got Bud Harrelson the same way. So this team off and on and throughout the years was available. They were out and about. Uh, and or if you wrote to them, they'd write back to you. They really were America's team before America's team had the Atlanta Braves in quotes there, because I don't believe they're America's team. We had the 1969 Mets. They were a New York team, but they also were a team, I believe, that America took under their wing, especially during the World Series when uh, Ron Sabota made that catch. Remember that catch when you... Uh, and, you know, put it in your mind there and think about World Series catches. There's, let's see, I would say Willie Mays over the shoulder catch and throw. I believe that was off of Vic Wirtz, and I believe that was in 1954 off the top of my head. Could be wrong. Any other catches that you remember in the World Series? I don't know. Uh, it's got to be Ron Swoboda. has got to be number two, if not number one. Inches from the ground, the ball was caught in right field off of Brooks Robinson. And boy, did that turn that game around. And uh, there's a quote here from the book. Here's the catch, Ron Swoboda's book that is labeled a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. Brooks Robinson himself says, I really believe the ball I hit would have changed everything. If Swoboda had missed it, it's a triple and maybe two more runs score. But he made a hell of a play, and he's written a hell of a book. And that's true. This book is great. It takes you behind the scenes. It's got some great photographs, but it also takes you behind the scenes of the thoughts and what's going on in the dugout. And uh, I tell you, it's something that is just a pleasure to read. And we thank Ron Swoboda for spending two full Full hours last week and this week with us. We're going to continue uh, when we return and continue talking all things uh, baseball. Maybe we'll turn to today's game versus yesterday's game. See what uh, Mr. Swoboda thinks about that. We'll be back right after this. And everything old is new again. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are... You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Mets are amazing, 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 amazing. They're just finding out now that it's just October and they found out now around the United States and all the patrons of New York City and Chase Stadium. They are amazing. They'll be amazing, amazing, amazing. Hi, this is Art Shamsky from the 1969 Mets, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again. Ah, there we go. We're back here on Everything Old is New Again. Uh, that's Art Shamsky introducing us right on the heels of Casey Stengel talking about the New York Mets. We are here with teammate of Archansky, Ron Swoboda, who made that catch in the 1969 World Series and did more, had some very key hits in the series, in the playoffs, in that year, of course, uh, platooning with Archansky in right field. Uh, the book is Here's the Catch, a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. And please go to Amazon.com, pick this up. It's great reading. And I'll tell you, it's amazing that after all these years, 50 years later, we still remember, for one reason or another, the 1969 Mets. And boy, were they really, they were really a team for the ages, huh? You know, there was a great expression. Uh, Fred Shearer, um, who coached the, the Philadelphia Flyers to a couple of Stanley Cups, and 
before game seven of one of them, he wrote on the blackboard, uh, and it's it's an expression that I it, it I can barely get it out of my mouth because it's such a beautiful uh, description of how I feel about that '69 team. He said, "Guys, win this game tonight, and we walk together forever." There you go. And I feel like as '69 New York Mets, whether we're on this planet or not. Um, we walk together forever. In success and also in singing on the Ed Sullivan Show, which is a whole other story. <laughs> some things you want to remember, some things you don't, well, right? You know, <laughs> um, it's funny, in, in all these appearances, occasionally uh, we put out a record, too, and that was, uh, you know, um, 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 uh, uh, right after we won the World Series, the next day we record this record. And when I sign them now, I, I always joke with the, with the fan, I said, whoever it is, I said, I'll be happy to sign it, just don't make me listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys look so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to be cruel. Just look at like you. Look sort of uncomfortable there uh, singing. Of course, that's out of. If we're, we're talking out of school here, there was there is a clip now, and you oh, can good, see. Oh, good grief! If you yeah. look at. Yeah, if you look at if you look at our faces, half the guys don't know the words. Right, exactly. <laughs> Steve is looking over. I don't know who's looking over. It doesn't know the words. He's getting upset with him and so forth. It's so funny. Now you you made some great uh, friends uh, on the team. Unfortunately, Tug McGraw has passed away. I know he yeah. was a very big friend, a good friend of yours. Uh, Crane pulled you know, pulled through here, uh, which was terrific on Long Island. Getting a new liver. I wish him all the a best. A new kidney. A kidney. I'm sorry. A new kidney. I wish him all the best. Uh, yeah, Tommy he's Agee. doing great. By the way, thank you. That's good to hear. Because you just saw him a couple of weeks ago, right? And he's yes. doing well. And he, he did it. He spoke and so forth. So I, I saw that and was happy. He was, to see a, that. He was exquisite. His his uh, his comments um, when they celebrated us uh, on the 29th at Shea were perfect. Yes, and you can see that now on YouTube if you want. You want to take a look at that because it really was was moving. It was great to see uh, see this. I team like come the together. idea that he talked about us and how we felt and what those times meant, and he brought it all the way around to the team that was uh, today. Two 2019 team uh, standing there on the on the front step. I, I just thought that that was incredible, and he didn't have note one. Right, just exactly. let it out, Pro- proving again that everything old is new again. It's uh, absolutely <laughs> self promotion there. And then of course Tommy Agee was a good friend of yours. He's passed away. Yes. And then uh, Cleon Jones, you spoke with him yesterday. Is saying I just want to ask about Cleon for a little bit because boy, he had 340 in that that year and and uh, had some incident here and there with uh, uh, we were taken out of left field with from. With Gil Hodge, just walked well, out, he, took him out, and yeah, how did he feel about that? And and it, I get the sense that he respected Gil for it, and maybe learned a lesson. I don't know, uh, but it certainly didn't I hurt think him. We all learned a lesson, yeah. and uh, that was a that was a, a momentous time. Uh, we're getting beat up by the Astros, who who we just couldn't figure out how to play against that year, and they not they didn't just beat us; they beat the heck out of us, and and. This was uh, late in the season in August, and, and they came into Shea and beat us in the first game badly, in the first game of a doubleheader. In the second game of a doubleheader, you know, fourth or fifth inning, they're doing the same thing to us, and a ball got... John Edwards hit a slice the ball down, down the left field line, and Cleon, who was having a little trouble with his ankle and his foot, didn't exactly kill himself to get over there and 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 retrieve it, and he kind of flipped it in, um, conceding the run to Doug Rader, who was on first base at that time. And I think Hodges. I'm not sure. I you know in my research for the book, um, somebody quoted um, Gil Hodges' wife Joan as saying Gil told her he didn't know exactly what 
he was up to when he came out of the dugout, but he knew he needed to do something. And and Gill popped up out of the dugout after that play, and and you know I'm sure Nolan Ryan was pitching in relief of Gary Gentry, and 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 getting whacked around, and he probably thought, well that's it for me, and and nope, he walked by the pitcher, and Bud Harrelson's at shortstop going, what the hell did I do? Right. And and you know and and when he walked by Harrelson, everybody knew. Uh-oh, something's up here. Yeah. And Gil went out there, and it was a long walk and a long conversation out in left field. I never saw anything like it um, before or since. And, and uh, you know, basically the conversation between Gil and, uh, and Cleon was, um, uh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you hurt? And he said, no, I'm not hurt. He said, well, the way you went after that ball, you look like you're hurt. I think you're hurt, and you're coming out of this game. Yeah. And and he took Cleon out, and as you mentioned, he's fighting for a batting championship. Right. But that wasn't what was important. It's like effort. And and Cleon wasn't, uh, 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 you know, he wasn't a Jake. Um, he, uh, he, he, was, he was a hustler, but he didn't feel that good, I think. But Hodges said... You can't play in, 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 you know, in my outfield if you can't get after the ball like you need to. He took Cleon out and he put me in. Right. And, and I got a couple of base hits uh, in a losing effort, of course. But I started showing Hodges that maybe I had come around. And, and, and you know what? That was my big opportunity uh, with a couple of months left in the season. I got half my RBIs in the process and and um and and really the season that it turned into uh started from that moment for me it's not amazing it's all in the stars sometimes it's, it's yeah. odd you know yeah i couldn't get it going early on i i just couldn't get it going and i i couldn't tell you what that was about i was trying my tail off and just couldn't make it happen but somehow that lit, you know, lit the fire or the light bulb went off with the pressure well, of that, you know? You know, I mean, we we started playing pretty good baseball. Right. We were playing pretty good baseball. And and, uh, uh, and I think the message from Hodges was, you know, you guys are going to, you guys, let's, Let's let's start showing some effort right. out there, and uh, you know. And he he didn't feel like uh, there were uh, too many guys that looked like they minded getting their butts kicked by the Houston Astros. So right. he went out there and made a point. A lot of what Hodges, um, uh, you know, ha- the message from Hodges was in what he did um, more than what he said. I remember the obituary when he passed away. I listened to uh, the radio, TV that night, and it was something where a gentleman that would uh, never use two words where one would do, describing uh, him. <laughs> I remember that. He could be that. inscrutable about some things. Um, somebody said, um, you know, his, um, um, you, you know, he, he was he was a man of few words, but but he made his point there. But also, I think it says something. Cause I just want to analogize real quick uh, that taking someone out of the game like that in the middle of an inning and from the outfield. The only other one I remember is Reggie Jackson and and uh, and Billy Martin. And look at that confrontation. But wait a minute, look at what happened with Cleon Jones and Hodges. The way they handled it, Cleon Jones appeared to me. Yeah, of course you're upset, and, and I in some level embarrassed or what have you. But you know what? He handled it very professionally. He didn't make a big stink. He ran off the field, and, and he continued thereafter to produce for the Mets. There was no oh, yeah. you know an, uh, animosity because you took no, me No, no, no. So I forth, think Gil know? made his point, and that was all. That was all that was necessary. But also, you know, Cleon Jones could have taken it a different way. I give, I give him a lot of credit for the way he handled that. 
I don't know. That's just Cleon me. is uh, is a pretty smart guy, and um, you know, I think he understood um, uh, what was going down there, and and uh, it was you know Hodges was the authority, <laughs> and right. you didn't fight that if, right. if you you did at your own hazard. Well, we all answer to a higher authority sooner or later, whether it be Gil Hodges or sponsors running commercials on everything old is new again. We're uh, going to take a break in a moment and come right back with Ron Swoboda to finish up uh, our second show with uh, the right fielder of the New York Mets many years, but of course 1969, the World Series New York Mets, the World Series champion New York Mets. The book is a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. Here's the catch by Ron Swoboda. It's an absolute pleasure to have him on the show. And if you've missed the last show we had with him, you can find it now on our YouTube channel of Everything Old is New Again radio show. Or feel free to go to our website, everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's everythingoldisnewagain.biz. And you can look up all of our old shows, including uh, the one we had with Ron Soboda, Art Chamsky, Skip Lockwood, all fellow New York Mets. Anyway, we'll be back right after this on Everything Old is New Again, talking all things life in general. And let's get a little bit more a discussion, I believe, about Cleon Jones and the uh, personalities of the 69 Mets right here on Everything Old is New Again. Oh, the butcher and the baker and the people on the streets. Where do they go? To meet the Mets! Oh, they're hollering and cheering and they're jumping in their seats. Now, back to America's entertainment pop culture talk show, Everything Old is New Again, with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Breaking pitches in the air down the left field line. Buford is racing over, and he can't get it. He's short hopping. Jones is coming home. There'll be no play at the plate. He scores, and Swoboda goes to second on the throw. The Mets are leading by a score of 4-3. to three. Ron Swoboda. Ah, uh, there it is. Ron Swoboda doing more than just... Catching the ball, certainly hitting the ball, was the right fielder of the New York Mets uh, for the uh, World Series. 1969, split the duty with Art Shamsky, who had 300 uh, during uh, the playoffs, I believe, and then for the year and more. And uh, there was Ron Swoboda, and here is Ron Swoboda, right here on Everything Old is New Again. We're talking about his book, which is not just about the Mets. It's not just about winning a World Series. It is about and does present a larger picture about life, about life before and after baseball, also in the offseason, what went on, what does and do major leaguers do. Uh, He crossed paths with a lot of famous individuals, and you'll hear stories about that in this book. It's a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. Here's the Catch by Ron Swoboda. You can get that on Amazon.com, that's for sure. And I would suggest it's well worth it. He's also making the rounds if you want to take a look at the website or of your local uh, bookstore. Sooner or later, he may be there. But if not, he's here on Everything Old is New Again, and he's giving you some great insights. We've had a great time for the last three sections of our show this week and all of the last week's show, one hour, Mr. Swoboda was gracious enough to spend some time with us. Then we had a great time, and uh, we are having a great time talking about and peeling back the onion of what it's like in the locker room with uh, the 69 Mets and or any baseball team. Also, what's it like when you face adversity as a team and or as an individual and uh, facing uh, people that as you go through life, you may not have gotten along with them 
then, but then you think about it years later and you say, you know, that person was right and or, gee, I didn't act the right way. My youth got in the way or my exuberance or ego, whatever it might have been. It's all in this book uh, to give you a, a real good idea as to uh, what it's like uh, to, to live a life of success and beyond and uh, and certainly it's important to recognize that Ron Svoboda is not just known for catching the ball once in a World Series or you know hitting that double that we just heard uh, there's much more to this book and to Ron Svoboda uh, you know he's uh, been a teammate and he's been a, a, a lifelong friend of many of his teammates and what's that about and why is that and how do you uh, permeate uh, pres- and, and continue friendships with those who don't agree with you well let's say, on politics or don't agree with you on other things. But, uh, you know, at the core, you've shared uh, a certain uh, sensibility and or certain events together, whether it be college, whether it be uh, the World Series or anything in between that you've shared together. It's real important to, you know, to foster those friendships and continue with friendships. I mean, I've been friends with uh, David Cohen since we were, wow, 16 years old. In the uh, late 1970s, and here he is on Everything Old is New Again. All these years later, we're beginning our, I should say, in the middle of our six-year broadcasting. And if you like our show, please do me a favor and uh, write to or call your local talk radio station. Tell them either that you like that it's on, if it's on your station, and if it's not on your station, if you're listening to us on the Internet uh, and or on YouTube on older shows, tell them you'd like to have the show on live on every weekend on your local talk radio station would be a great idea a couple of phone calls like that emails letters and we'd be there and in fact if you do that write to us at old new again at aol.com we'll know that you did that and we can follow up on that uh with a uh, telephone call and see if they're interested why not it's a fun show we're having a great time taking a look at the past and presenting it in the future and here and now. Uh, Let's talk about Cleon Jones. I think he was a very underrated player and uh, what a gentleman Cleon Jones was and the way he dealt with adversity and things on the 69 Mets. Now, was Cleon Jones, in your mind, an underrated player? I mean, especially that year, uh, fighting for the batting title and and batting third for the Mets? Cleon Jones was the best hitter I ever played with. And I played with Tommy Davis, who was a pretty good hitter. Um, in 19, uh, what was it, 67, I think. And uh, um, Cleon Jones was the best hitter I ever played with on a team um, with the Mets. And that that's what I... Underrated? Well, you know, if Cleon could have sustained that, that sort of effort, you know, um, I thought he should have had a longer career and produced a lot more um, uh, numbers than he did. But... Uh, you know, um, you know. I think uh, that trade to the White Sox didn't do him any good either. I didn't think he liked playing in the shorts and all of that. I mean, it was a, kind of an odd situation, an unfortunate uh, way that the Mets handled him. I, I thought he, he could have really uh, helped them for years to well, come. Well, you, know. you know, I don't know. You know, it's like um, all of us, um, uh, you know, we, we, we um, all of us, I think, were, were sort of, counterculture a little bit and uh in some ways um uh, you know cleon i just know from what i saw from cleon that he's a guy that could have gotten a couple of hundred hits a year like pete rose um, if he was able to sustain it and and you know what he wasn't able to do was sustain his career um long enough um to to really be appreciated as a hitter he was 
quite a guy and to this day um, has a better idea about hitting than most people you're going to talk to. There you go. Please uh, send our regards if you can. I will. Do everything old is new again. And uh, if he ever wants to come on board, I'd love to have a conversation as well. But let's continue for two more minutes here. You played against Pete Rose, Brooks Robinson, Willie Mays, Frank Robinson, Hank Aaron. I mean, the, the list goes on. Can we ask, is it possible, is it impossible? Which one of these players would you think is is one that if you had, let's put it this way, if you had to pick a team, which would be the one first one or two picks you would take? Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, Pete Rose, if you get 200 hits a year for 20 years, you're getting close to him, Absolutely. and nobody's going to do that. Yep. Um, uh, Pete Rose, when you need a base hit, Pete Rose is the guy you want. He battled every pitch, every every at bat. Um, um, I feel badly that uh, that he's n- you know not ever going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I I had this goofy thought the other day that maybe all those guys. Uh, Roger Clemens, uh, uh, Barry Bonds, uh, all those guys that uh, were McGuire, in trouble for yeah. various, yeah, McGuire, those guys for the steroids, uh, uh, Pete Rose for his gambling, uh, you know, all of them, all of them in the absence of that behavior would be in the Hall of Fame. So maybe right. what we should have is the miscreant wing, <laughs> you know, in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, you, you can get in there because you deserve to be in there as a player. Uh, we'll excuse the behavior if you'll just admit exactly what you did and we'll let you in the miscreant wing of the hall of fame it, um you know it's I, i'm not sure i'm entirely serious but it's right. a thought uh, in, in some way it makes sense in that he was the player you love to hate and by the way forget all that because you know he he was amazing but when you well, play like Mays ba- and all those other guys you you, you know oh, johnny absolutely. bench and and drysdale and, and you know and and um um Sandy Koufax, you right. couldn't take your eyes off no. them. But here's the thing: you were, here you were, a major league player, uh, supposedly on the same level as them, right? And you couldn't take your eyes off of them. Yeah, they were. They, they, they clearly were playing at a different level, bigger than life. The other thing, though, I want to say about Pete Rose, though, is I played high school baseball. What is it? But, but every almost every team I played on. <laughs> manager, you know, just dads and whatever in Little League or, you know, the high school manager, everyone would mention hustle and talk about Pete Rose and right. how he'd run to first base in a walk and so forth. And that never left me because it doesn't cost you anything to hustle. And boy, you know, you, you got to admire what he did. Uh, I don't think he had the oh, no, talent level player, others, but as you know. As a player, uh, what he could contribute to a game is beyond reproach. What happened to him happened right. as a manager. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, he was gambling on games while he was managing, and that, uh, you know, that, and he never, you know, every time he tried to apologize for it, the, you know, the only thing missing from his act of contrition, <laughs> in my humble opinion, was contrition. Yeah, the sincerity <laughs> you know? is the only thing missing, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's, that's your pick, uh, my pick for the best uh, co-host of Everything Old is New Again goes to Ron Swoboda. You've got to read this book, Here's the Catch 
a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. We've talked about a lot of topics. There's a lot more in this book uh, that you will enjoy. It's great reading, great summer reading. Sit, great, grab this book and go to the by the pool once in a while. You take a dip, but uh, you may get a sunburn because you're not going to put this thing down. So, uh, <laughs> long story I, short, I call it about seven trips to the John. You know, <laughs> it's another way. That's how not, I read it. Let's be honest. Not but, <laughs> war and peace, you know. <laughs> but it's a great, it's great fun. There's also some great illustrations in there, and uh, we've had a great time, really, Ron Swoboda. Thank you so much for spending time and so much time with us on everything old is new again. We look forward possibly to talking to you in the future, and uh, and really, what a great time, what a great uh, experience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Doug. And anytime, man, you know how to reach me. Sounds Take care. great. All right. We'll, yeah, man. We'll be Thank back you. next week on Everything Old is New Again, talking all things entertainment, pop culture. Come on back. Oh, Everything Old is New Again. New York Mets, 50 years ago. Where did they go? To meet the Mets. World champs. Oh, they're hollering and cheering and they're jumping in their seats. Where did they go? To meet the Mets. All the fans are true.